Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share the inspiring story of someone who has faced their share of vulnerability and been able to find success and fulfillment. We hope all our stories will help you find the strength within yourself to live the life you want and find success of your own. Desmond Tutu said, We choose to heal and we choose to move forward by being brave and vulnerable enough to heal. This is episode 8 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Chantel Sumis. Growing up, she'd struggle with a learning disability and being the only daughter in a house full of boys. But that was nothing compared to what would happen later on in her life. From being molested, to an abusive relationship that almost took her life, and then an incurable disease that would bring her to some of her lowest lows. Her diagnosis of multiple sclerosis would lead her to living her life without sight and sometimes barely being able to walk. It would not only affect her career, but also life at home, especially when she brought a little boy of her own into the world. Just when she began to think life wasn't even worth living, she made the choice to find a way out. Through her discoveries and learning about neurology, changing her diet, and deciding to live life in the most positive way possible, she now makes the best of every single day and situation. Bubbly is an understatement when it comes to her personality, and I'm sure you'll see what I mean as the episode progresses. She now speaks globally, has joined multiple organizations that help the differently abled find their voice, and does everything she can to do advocate for the differently abled community. The founder of Stardust Creative, which is helping bring more passion and purpose to brands, and last but definitely not least, she's an incredible mother and does everything in her power to help her friends and family. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Chantel Sumis. Hey, Chantel, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm really excited about this episode, uh, you know, knowing you for the past couple of years. I know that you've definitely got some stories to share and some inspiring words for people out there. So again, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get vulnerable with you. <laughs> Well, people say that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, the people. Have, I think you know what's funny, and not to get into it too much, but I feel like because of the name of the podcast, people use that word a lot throughout the interviews, and so oh, I started yeah. to notice that, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, let's leave it for now. Let's see where it goes. But anyways, uh, so first question I like to ask everybody is, what is your definition of vulnerability? My definition of vulnerability is the ability to drop shame and open up to let others in. Awesome. Simple. <laughs> I like <Yes>. it. <laughs> what, uh, what would you say um, was your earliest memory or your earliest uh, time that you went through some struggle and vulnerability in your life? Uh, you know, as a kid, our parents try to protect us from everything, right? If you're fortunate enough to have lo really loving, caring parents, and um, they did absolutely everything they could. And I didn't really realize it until I was older that this was a big issue. But in second grade, I still couldn't read. And I thought that was completely normal until I had a child of my own and realized they read at like kindergarten, you know? So I had a, like a, like what I thought I was just slow. I was just stupid. Um, but growing up now, I realized that it was dyslexia and I just couldn't process words. I couldn't string them together. I knew them individually, but together they didn't make sense. 
So um, that was definitely the biggest challenge for me because I remember sitting down with my parents and um, them saying, you really have to be serious about learning and about reading and school. School next year with your friends. You're going to go with the younger kids. So you're going to repeat the same grade. And that was like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. You know, you're in second grade and I don't want to be with the babies. <laughs> so that was definitely an eye opener for me that I had to work a lot harder than the rest of my friends just to understand how to read, how to write. Um, yeah. And how to just keep up. It's always been a struggle. And I've always had that looming thought in the back of my brain that I'm just dumb, that I'm just stupid. And then of course you evolve into a young woman and as a blonde, you're like stigmas of she's a ditz. You know, if she's blonde uh, and she says ums and errs and stutters or can't really read coherently in class, she's stupid. So it really kind of clipped my wings for quite a long time to understand that everybody's just different. Everybody reads and learns and grows at different speeds. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, and the one thing that you said at the end there that I, I've been hearing a lot of recently is you can't compare where you're at to where other people are at, but we tend to do it quite a bit. So um, definitely understand where you're coming from there. So what did you, aside from, I guess you mentioned there sort of having to focus a little more and work a little harder. What else did you do to overcome that situation? You know, I believe that the foundation of success is communication. And my parents were able to communicate with me on the importance of an education and on the importance of what you have in here, in your brain, in your noodle, <laughs> is, is something nobody can take away from you. People can take away everything from you. They can take away your things, your clothes, your house, but they can never take away what you lock up in your mind. So the importance of education really meant everything to me. And then my parents did Hooked on Phonics back when it was cool. <laughs> and it worked for me. And that was a big part of just staying determined and keeping that focus and finding alternative avenues that might just not be in your, your, your mindset, your preview. Like you just can't see these things when everybody else is doing them. But when it doesn't work for you, you have to find another way. And there always is another way. Uh, that's a, an important message because, uh, again, you know, like everybody starts to get stuck on these things in life and they think that, you oh, know, that's the end and it's over. But it, like you just said, there's always another way. There's always a way through it. So uh, key point. So what new strength would you say you discovered in yourself after overcoming some of these vulnerabilities? So I... Uh, a lot. I mean, every, every single vulnerability or every single challenge that I went through made me stronger. Right. So, and it's easy to think that it doesn't do a thing. It's just, you know, the cards just weren't dealt for you this lifetime, but instead of falling into that pit of self doubt, which I did, don't get me wrong. It's easy to do. It really helped me strengthen up and fight for my life when I really needed it. So, you know, each challenge that life brought. I mean, that was just one little thing, one tiny little sliver of the giant picture. It was like a stepping stone, building the path to, you know, 
the ultimate strength of an independent, responsible adult, <laughs> which whether we like it or not is going to happen. It's inevitable, guys. We got to take on some responsibility and accountability. So that, I mean, all it's, it's built the ultimate strength. So, I, I mean, I, I like I've, I said uh, probably a couple of times in this episode, you know, I've known you for a couple of years and I know quite a bit of your story, or at least I would think I do. <laughs> but um, the one question, and, and it's hard to, I guess, for a lot of people to define, but how, how, how would you say that you faced a lot of vulnerability in your life? A little like I just want to get a picture for everybody of, as to, you know, how much you feel that you've uh, faced. And the reason being is simply just because, you know, I want people to see whether you've gone through a lot, a little, you know, somewhere in between, whatever it might be, that there's ways to get through it. So would you say you've gone through a lot of vulnerability, a little, like, what would you say your sort of life path has been like? You know, it's such a interceptive thought, you know, well, like, so when I think about it, and I think of my challenges personally, I've been through like a list of stuff, but that's relative to my experience. So I think that what is little, what is a lot in terms of vulnerability and adversity, it's really based on that person. So for me, you know, I've been through the, the dyslexia portion and difficulty adapting to the way our education is set up today, to a sexual assault by a stranger, to a very abusive relationship that I was engaged to this person who was physically and emotionally abusive. Um, and it wasn't until this person was behind bars that I could actually live freely and comfortably, which then turned into, um, you know, a, an extremely terrible disease, an incurable disease, multiple sclerosis, where I couldn't see, I couldn't hear, I couldn't walk. Um, I had a newborn that I had to take care of. And it was so hard. It was so hard. So, you know, if, if it wasn't for the stuff before, um, which again, there was also mental health issues in there, severe depression and anxiety and OCD. And I hated myself. Therefore, I hated my life. If I hadn't gone through all of these different challenges of adversity, there's no way I would have made it through the fight of my life, period. So I don't know if that answers your question, Brian. No, and, and everybody has a different answer. And it is a sort of a hard thing to define. So I completely agree. It's just, you know, for me, I, I want to get an idea with each guest. Because sometimes, you know, it's the one thing that I've noticed over doing this, and I've only done about seven episodes so far, but is that some people it's a personal struggle. Some people it's a health struggle. Some people it's a little bit of everything. I mean, in your case, that's what it sounds like. It's been a little bit of everything <laughs> throughout your life. So um, you know, the, the struggle, I think that, I guess, and, and I, and I guess that's maybe not a good word to use about it, I, to use for it either. But I mean, the, the thing that really inspired me with you was the, the vulnerability you sh showed through LinkedIn when I first met you and sharing your story about your disability, um, and you know, how it affected you when you tried to, to get back into the working world, especially, especially um, so so if, if you wouldn't mind, if it's okay with you, could you share a little more about that struggle? Because um, I think yeah. it could help some other people as well. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's how I got started on social advocacy or, uh, you know, social justice is being a voice for a community that didn't have one and that just people weren't speaking up because they felt like having a disability or a hidden illness 
talk about it. It's like wearing a scarlet litter. And then all of a sudden you're walking around and the whole world can see all of your, your perceived flaws, right? So when I started, I opened up on LinkedIn about how the application process is completely flawed and it triggers unconscious bias lore because of these equal opportunity employer surveys where people, employers want to know what race you are, where you're from, um, your veteran status, and if you're disabled. And I thought that was completely completely inappropriate for the application process as I had applied for over a hundred jobs and never got a call back because I believe that it was that box. I don't think it was because I was unqualified or overqualified or whatever. Um, it was just absolutely ridiculous. So I took it upon myself to kind of voice my disappointment for the application process and encourage leadership and organizations to adjust their, the way that they approach finding talent, sourcing talent, and also encouraging people with disabilities in hidden illness, chronic illness, to join the workforce, to find fulfillment in their hearts. Because when I was ha, searching for a career, I went to my community of multiple sclerosis warriors, and it was so deflating that people would just say, just give up on finding a job. Just apply for social security now. Nobody's ever gonna want you if you can't see right. And apply for, just do it now because it's gonna take three years to get in the United States. And I was like, what? Wait, you guys are supposed to be supportive. And uh, I don't know, you're supposed to tell me, you got this girl, get out there and apply for jobs. But no, I was getting the exact opposite response. And it was really heartbreaking. And then it, not only did it make me sad and just just devastated that this is the world that I live in and this is the world that I'm raising my son to be in, but then it made me angry. And then I, I voiced my opinion. So my goal with everything is for people with hidden illness, like me, you know, when you can't see the, the chronic fatigue or you can't see vision issues unless you have a, a, a mobility device or a, or a visual vision device, you know, a seeing device it's to wear it with pride because when you overcome adversity on a daily basis, like these warriors do, you have more strength and ability than perfectly healthy people do. And you should wear that with pride, right? And you should put that into everything that you do because it's seriously a gift. And as crappy as it sounds to think about cancer and chronic illness as a gift, but it is a really strong gift of perspective and strength. No, I, I mean, I can tell you right now that when, you know, I talk to people about either this podcast or the article series that this whole podcast started with, and, and I, I bring you up quite a bit as a, as a friend and somebody who inspires me. And I say like, you know, I know people like you who have had these illnesses that have caused, like you said, blindness points where you couldn't even really move at times. And then I say to myself, what do I have to complain about? You know, my legs work perfectly. My sight works perfectly. I haven't had to deal with anything close to what you deal with. And so, you know, what do I have to So it's given me a ton of perspective, just knowing somebody like you and thinking to myself, like when I get down or when I get to that point where I'm like, I'm no good. And I'm just like, wait a second. Like, how can I say that when I know people like Chantel who have <laughs> overcome 
like crazy adversity and gotten to where they are. I mean, like, like again, when you shared that part of your story with me for the article series and said, you know, how like it literally, you know, took you to points where again, where you couldn't walk at times. I was just like, holy cow. Cause I, I know people with MS, but I never knew the extent of which it can affect you. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy disease because I feel like it's the disease of all diseases. I mean, you touch on every single symptom or you can, it really depends on who it is, which is why it's so hard to find a cure because it's so different. But I've been really active in the community. I started joining the Gildas Club, which is a cancer support community in, uh, I think the US and Canada. I'm not sure if it's worldwide. But it's, uh, I've, I've met so many other people that give me that perspective too. You know, my first day in orientation, I met this woman who had um, like throat cancer. And so she couldn't talk because she had a tube in her throat to help her breathe. And I was just like, I can't complain about my issues. She can't sing. She's never going to be able to sing again, sing to her, her babies, you know, like, Gosh, that just it bro- broke broke my heart, but it also filled me up with that perspective. So thank you for for thinking of me as a, a a string of hope. I guess I appreciate that, Brian. No, and I mean it's. I think like, and this is the whole point of what I'm trying to get out with this podcast, and you know, with sharing these stories, is that you know, the people people might struggle, they might face vulnerability, but there's something you can find in it, right? And that's why you know, again, as we're talking about perspective here, I think it's important because. You know, I, I, the one place that I've been over the past, you know, year or so is that, you know, negative mental thought, those negative thoughts of like, I can't do this or what am I doing or what's wrong with me? And if you don't have other perspectives, it's much harder to get out of that because you're just sitting with yourself all day. Right. And so that's why, you know, now, now reconnecting with people like yourself and friends and stuff like that, it's, it's sort of opened me up again. And that's what's leading to where, where I'm at now. So, I mean, thank you, um, you know, for, for being there and, and doing that for me and helping me out in, in any other, in other ways as well. So, um, so all these things that you've gone through, um, how would you say that they've helped you get to where you are now with your career, with your life, family, everything? You know, I, everybody deals with adversity differently. And I, for a long time in my life, dealt with it in self-shame. I had so much shame holding over my head where I just didn't feel like I was worth love. I wasn't worth success. I wasn't worth anything. And that depression and that mindset really held me captive in this life that is a gift. Every, every element of it is a gift and you can be happy and you can be successful, but I didn't feel like I was worth any of that. So it really took hitting rock bottom. Um, like I, I shared with you, you know, not being able to see and not, and being afraid of like, am I ever going to see my son's green eyes ever again? it's a really scary, scary feeling. Or when my hearing started to get muffled, will I ever be able to hear my sweet little dude sing his little, his little nursery rhymes? Um, and then, you know, it was that, that point of just crawling from room to room and to make a bottle for a dude, my little dude. And it was like, I can't be the mom that I need to be. Like my son deserves a good mom. I'm a shitty mom. And then I can't be the wife that my husband deserves that he married. He didn't marry this wounded bird, this, this mess up, this person who's completely 
unable to do shit. And my parents, when they came over and they looked at me and they, you could see my mom's eyes just tear up. You could hear it in her voice because I couldn't see very well at the time, but I could hear her get choky. And I was like, I don't want my parents to come over and look at me with pity every time. Like, this is not the life I want to live. So it took really just that shift in, you know, not wanting to live that life and being on that verge of like, just ending it all. Just, you know, don't, I don't know. Like I had every single thing go through my mind on how to end it. But then I realized for the sake of my little dude and my family that that was not the option. The option was getting out of it and getting out of it was that mindset shift and being happy and finding joy and finding love in the world, but starting to love myself, which was really, really hard. And, and I can imagine, like, I can't say I've been to that dark of a place before, but I will agree with you in terms of like finding joy and everything in life. Uh, two books that I've read very recently, one was The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. And the other one was a book called Joy on Demand. And just reading those two books alone have shown me the power of what goes on in your head and being careful what you let in and what you put out and all that kind of stuff. I mean, in that first book I mentioned, The Art of Happiness, one of the biggest takeaways I took from that book was unwholesome thoughts. So that's basically any thoughts of fear, hate, anger, any of anything negative, essentially. You have to be very careful how many of those you let into your, your mind or, or into your space. And since then, I've done a, a lot more, I've been a lot more careful, you know, in just watching my thoughts or being watching who I'm around and what they're saying. And it's, it's done a lot for me in terms of just making me feel better and be a better person, essentially. So, Oh, no I, doubt. It, was, it wasn't until I discovered like meditation and it sucked because then you're by yourself with yourself and your thoughts. But the idea is to cleanse those thoughts, right? And then studying neuroplasticity and the fact that just being positive rewires your brain and then it becomes habitual and you become a happier person. It was all bananas to me. I didn't think that could be possible, but dude, we need to fix our education system because our kids need this way earlier, way earlier. No, I've, and I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. And, and again, another point that I'm hearing, the same as what you just made, is that our education system isn't teaching the right things because it's teaching us skills. I think it was just recently on, a, I think, School of Greatness with Lewis Howe was one of the interviews that he had. And the guy literally said, he goes, you know, the math, the history, the this and the that that the schools teach us, we barely ever use again in life. And the one thing that they don't teach us, which we absolutely positively need, is life experience. They don't, they don't teach us anything about life and what's going to happen throughout your life and what you're going to sort of face and everything like that. So you get out of school and you're just like, real life hits you in the face and you're like, well, what do I do now? <laughs> exactly. exactly. And it's hard to get lost and get found unless you have the resources. And which all of us don't necessarily have. And I mean, I've even realized, you know, it's aside from the resources, it's the people who are around you. And, you know, if you're not out there, you're not open to connecting, it's, it makes it that much harder. I mean, you know, I, I got lucky in a sense, I guess, because I decided I'm going to take this leap and I'm going to jump out there and put myself out there. And it helped me find relatability with people and, and sort of build that tribe, if you want to call it. And, you know, again, I've been lucky because I met some really inspiring and really great people like yourself. So, um, so 
Would you say that at this point in your life, you found success and fulfillment, or would you say that you're still on your journey towards it? I have found success and fulfillment. I, I think everybody's idea of success is relative as well as adversity. So my idea of success is happiness, and I am so happy now. And I'm not on antidepressants anymore. And yeah, there are crappy days. Like last night was challenging as hell because my son is going through a stage where he just doesn't listen. <laughs> Want to listen? Which makes getting ready for the day really hard because you're going to miss the bus if he doesn't listen to eat his breakfast or he doesn't listen to put on his shoes. But then I just think about all the amazing gifts in the world and the fact that I have a little dude, like I have a son. I was able to be lucky enough to have a son that challenges me every day and it refocuses it in on happiness and success. But in the same respect, there's so much more to do and I really want to live for a long time. I don't know what's going to happen with this disease, to be honest with you. You know, with, with MS, it could be like ALS, where out of nowhere, you're, you deteriorate uncontrollably and you're in a wheelchair in a vegetative state and there is no exit. So just living every day like it's our last, I, I made it. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Brian? No, I, I, it's funny because as, as you said that, as you said you found it, I will say you're the first person I've had on the podcast that has had that answer. Everybody really? else, yeah, everybody else has said that they're still on their journey towards it or that they don't think you ever do find it and that it's not really definable and all that. And, and I agree with what you said. It is relative, right? I mean, yeah. everybody defines success differently. I struggled with that myself in the last year or so because, well, in the first 30 odd years of my life, success was, you know, the job title I held and the money amount of money that I made. And then right. in the last year or so, it changed a bit, but then it changed again because it, there was still that part of me that thought success was about how much money I made or, or how big my house was or any of those sort of things. So, so again, it, it is true. It depends on how you define it, but I'm glad that you're saying that you found it and in the way that you defined it as well. I mean, it's, it's true. I, I think I agree that success is in finding happiness and, and it's about, you know, having the good relationships and the, the family and, and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, but I, I just thought it was interesting because literally nobody else has said that. So good on you. Hey, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my life isn't over yet, right? So yeah, no, like, exactly. what could happen next? <laughs> knows, right? and, but I'm I mean, so blessed. I couldn't be happier. And I'm sorry. No. I have. Oh, no, that's fine. I do too. But uh, my wife's <laughs> <are> upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to tell me he wants something. Sorry. Uh, no worries, no worries. No, and, and another point that you brought up there and you know about like <laughs> so sorry. No, it's okay. You really want something. <laughs> this is it. I apologize. Here, let me mute him so you can talk. <laughs> uh, no, I was just gonna say that when you talked about like just thinking about life and and not knowing what it's going to be over. One thing I've done, another practice that I've done is the um, contemplation of death, which sounds really dark and weird, but it honestly, like you're saying, it gives you perspective and it does actually end up making you a lot happier because you take more, you, you spend more time in the now than taking things for granted. No doubt, dude. I've I still got it's okay. It's okay. Here. Hey. But um, yeah, every, every, every 
everybody's happiness comes in different ways. Mine comes in a crazy circus. That's the circus I live in and I'm happy with it. So thanks for bearing with me. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. This is, it's a podcast. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's not. Okay. So it's it's all good. Background noises and all. Um, so I only have a couple more questions <laughs> left. <laughs> um, one of the, the, the last questions that I, I like to ask people, um, you've given a lot of great points here, a lot of key takeaways um, that people can use in their life, whether they're struggling with something in their health or life or family or work, whatever it might be. But what are three key takeaways that you can give to people? Something that from this episode, they can literally walk away with it and you know, implement it into their life, whether it's a way of thinking and practice something um, that you would give to people, just three. So yeah, first and foremost is to love yourself. And that's hard, especially if you have mental health issues. It's really challenging to understand that you are special. You are the only you in the entire universe, which is empowering. And you should feel good about that and your story and the flaws and the challenges because every little thing makes you the unique person that you are. So to love yourself, I say to do affirmations in the morning. I think they're super cheesy, (laughs) but they're super powerful. And you can start to feel it after a while when you look at yourself in the mirror without makeup on or your hair done as a girl or as a man, if you wear makeup, that's cool too. And tell yourself that you are beautiful. You are smart and you are happy and you will convince yourself that you are so to love yourself is number one number two is to be thankful for every little thing this is like the foundation of neuroplasticity and finding the positives to every negative and the power the power of positive thinking right and it's tricky and it's challenging again especially with mental health issues especially with serious health challenges you can feel alone and you can be not okay and that's totally okay but when you can think of every positive to a negative that is so strength you will feel so strong you will feel more in control and thus happier so love yourself be thankful and number three be present um what i like to do to be present present is meditate So focus on breathing exercises, like three deep breaths with a big pause. It helps you control your heart rate, your mindset, recenter yourself right back in here when the world gets too big and you're all over the place, managing all the different things, like being a mom and running two businesses and speaking all over the world (laughs) and having two crazy dogs that won't shut up. (laughs) Um, But just taking the deep breaths, three deep breaths and just being at peace just for a moment in this crazy noisy world will really help you formulate that and give you crazy powers to be able <laughs> to be vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, I will second, you know, uh, the first one, uh, you know, I, I learned that I would say, you know, probably about two years ago when I did like, did get let go from my job. I read the book, the monk who sold his Ferrari by Robin Sharma. And that book really told me that you have to focus on you first. You have to be good with yourself first before you can help others. And although the journey didn't, uh, you know, finish then and I'm still on it and still working on it, I'm in a much better place since then. You know, the second one, I have a daily gratitude practice. Um, you know, before, when I first started doing it, 
it was a little reminder on my calendar that came up every day and I would just remind myself of a couple of things that I was grateful for. But now it's almost just natural. You know, where yes. it doesn't matter what time of day when I just find myself more grateful um, for everything in my life. And then the Rock third one that only started for me just over a month ago with my morning routine. And again, uh, you know, completely life changing. Just, uh, you know, at work, just before I started, I was getting frustrated with things, you know, and, and I would easily just sort of go on the spiral of getting angry and everything like that. And now within the last month or so of doing meditation, when I do notice myself getting frustrated or starting to get angry, I actually notice it. And I'm able to sort of say to myself, is this worth it? Is it worth continuing down this path? Or should I just, you know, take a few deep breaths, like you said, let it go and move on. And, you know, 90% of the time I would say now, which I think is pretty good, I end up going with the root of letting it go. So it's, it's, I second everything you said there. I've seen it change my own life. So, if and isn't it remarkable the f how much control we actually have over our lives? I mean, you just basically said that you went from being completely out of control to completely in control of how you feel, how you react. It's crazy. I don't oh, know. <laughs> We're the only ones that are in control, and that's the thing that more people I think need to realize is that we we blame it on all the external these external factors and all these things. We come up with excuses, but the only person who has control is you. You, you, nobody yeah. else can change your life for you. Nobody else can make it, you know, it's all up to you. I mean, you can take suggestions, you can get help, but at the end of the day, it's up to you. So yeah. 100% I agree. So, <laughs> so, the, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the last thing is not so much a question, but I, I want to give everybody who comes on the podcast an opportunity to essentially promote themselves. I wanted them to be able to put themselves out there, let people know where to connect with them or just talk about anything that they want to put out into the world. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. Oh, oh my, <laughs> pressure's on. Time to toot the horn, huh? <laughs> um, so what I do, what, what really rings my bell is speaking. Speaking in front of communities that need to be inspired or motivated by sharing my story and the ability to find hope. No matter what, there's always hope. As encouraging leadership and professionals across the world on how to build inclusive, safe cultures to attract top talent, to attract these warriors of adversity um, by, by embracing vulnerability. So that ties really tight together with your mission. And then, you know, aside from that all, I do personal branding. So I help people, especially warriors in the differently abled community. And I feel like everybody is differently abled. I feel like everybody has limitations that they're trying to get through whether that's a health issue or that's low self-esteem or um, you know, a lack of knowledge in a certain arena. But I help you position yourself as the superhero in your journey in achieving your career goals. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Chantel Sumas. <laughs> you can learn more about my speaking career at chantelsumas.com. And yeah, anywhere else. I mean, if you find me, connect with me. <laughs> I love people. <laughs> no, definitely connect with Chantel. That uh, I will, I will, I will promote that as well. Um, it's been huge for me. She's been an awesome friend, and I'm sure that as we continue to go on these journeys, that you'll teach me even more than you already have. So, thank you Aww. for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I know this is going to be inspiring for people. So I'm really glad that you agreed to do this and. Uh, yeah, thanks again for being a friend, and I look forward to uh, talking again soon. Anytime, Brian. Don't be a stranger. You know that. All right. Take care. Take care.
Thank you for listening to the Vulnerable Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps get the word out and means more than you know. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching Vulnerable Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at the B-E-L-M-E-D-A, that's the B-E-A-L-M-E-I-D-A, or by searching my name on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, please let me know as I would love to interview them for the show. I appreciate you taking the time to listen and see you next week.